0: All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I bring you greetings from on high. I'm so excited about what God is doing with us in this hour, and I do not take it for granted. I don't take for granted that God is imparting in us as we continue to journey, uh, to learn, and to expand our knowledge in the Word of God as we do this chronological review. We are endeavoring to review the Bible chronologically over the next few months, over the next year or so, however long it takes. (laughs) But we are in the book of Job. I'm sorry, we are in the book of of, uh, Genesis, but we are studying Job this week. This week, we're going to be in the book of Job uh, for our Bible study. I invite you to join us. Join us. We pray every Tuesday at 7 p.m. We have corporate prayer and we are praying for you and you and you. And God is doing mighty, mighty, mighty works. I'm telling you, he is a faithful God. He loves us. And we sit under an open heaven and we serve a merciful and a great God who is who loves his children and who is uh, free and his giving. Uh, We thank him. We thank him for giving us life, our health, our strength. We thank him for giving us love and wisdom, knowledge and salvation and understanding. I just cannot say enough about the God that we serve. My God, my God, my God. Anyway, so we are studying uh, in the book of Genesis, Uh, throughout the week. And we have prayer on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. corporate prayer. And we are praying for you and you and you. And God is doing great works. And we are uh, studying in our word and having Bible study on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. And we invite you to join us. Join us. Join us. I've been using this uh, podcast platform so that as I Uh, or as we have Bible study, we can share it. We can share it for those who who missed out. (laughs) Boy, y'all missing out. We have some great discussions as we go through the word. How many of y'all know that Bible literacy is so important? It is so important that we get biblically literate in God's word. Now, I'm talking to folk who believe. I'm talking to folk who know that they know that they know that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And if he said that the Bible is true, it's up to us to get to know what is in the word, not just taking somebody else's word for it. I'm telling you, I was a little itchy, a little irritated over the last couple of days. We got uh, a tele-evangelist uh, who is world renowned? World renowned coming out, and he is renouncing his uh, theology around um, the topic of giving. Around the topic of giving, he he um, I guess where his message nets out is that you ought to give uh, based on your generosity and your heart. Because we are under the dispensation of grace. We are under the covering of grace. And we are no longer under the Mosaic law. We are no longer under the Mosaic law. Those Ten Commandments, those um, you know instructions that said, thou shalt do A, B, C, D. We are under grace. We are under the covenant of grace. So, So that was his message. But he seemed a little fishy to me. A little fishy, just because I recognize that over the years, he has been one of the leading, leading, uh, um, what word do I want to say? Uh, I stutter when I try to be politically correct. <laughs> so let me just come out with it. He has been one of the leading uh, wolves in sheep clothing manipulators of God's people uh, to drain them of their funds and what God has given them, and and it almost seems gimmicky. Uh, he he has actually addressed this. He's addressed this a couple of years ago uh, in his message, but he is being more. Uh, for right with it. So it makes me question why? Why in this season are you uh, delivering this message that it's, hey, it's okay. You don't have to give a tenth. And if you don't give a tenth, you are not cursed with a curse, which, by the way, let me be clear, I believe him. I mean, I agree with him uh, with some of the aspects of what he is uh, recanting. I agree with him. I agree that we have weaponized the principle of giving, uh, financially giving, tithing, and things like that. We've weaponized it, and it's almost become uh, like a a witchcraft type of thing. I don't know. But uh, we have uh, led people to believe that if they don't give, uh, God will curse them. And in actuality, that is not the word of God. And I, I oftentimes uh try to give uh bring revelation uh to the um scripture that is often used in Malachi uh three and eight, I believe. Malachi is somewhere in there, uh when it says, uh, How have I robbed God? Yet you have robbed me through tithe and offerings. Uh, and and it, it talks a lot about that, but we have to understand the context around the word. We got to understand the context and who the audience was. God was not speaking to the people. Directly, he was admonishing the prophets, the leaders, those who were uh skimming off of the top. Go back and read it and understand the context, the history, and the audience in which God was speaking to, and it will bring some things to light. So, do I agree with the church using this um as a weapon? to try to corral people into giving, absolutely not. That was never God's will. As a matter of fact, that was an agent from the enemy who who uh, put that stronghold on the church and we just walked right on into it and kept it going for years. Here we have uh, this televangelist who has been ministering the word of God for over 30 years over 30 years and one of the most basic principles that God made as simple as (laughs) any of the other precepts in the Bible. And here he is getting revelation 30 years later. Something tells me to dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper. Uh, Did you fully have the revelation and and leverage it in your own way uh, to manipulate the people of God? Or Are you just that illiterate in the Bible that you ought not be leading God's people because you have not studied to show yourself approved? Amen. Um, I say that a little uh, fictitiously, uh, but but again, you know, come on now. (coughs) You just not coming to that. It is my position that God desires for us to give. Uh, It is by giving that I have reaped and and uh, received many of the blessings that I um, live out today. It is it is it is because of that principle and giving and not just giving to uh, the local church, but giving to people. Giving as God says, give. And one thing about me, I hear God. <laughs> I hear God. I'll share with you all. Uh, you know, early in my in my walk, uh, when God began to really start blessing my finances and bringing the financial stability that I needed to care for my family, I was an avid uh, tither. I would tithe if I didn't do nothing else. I could be walking and seeing backslidden, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I was gonna tithe. I was gonna make sure I got the tithe in the house. Uh, And and the reason that I believed in tithing was not for the sake of receiving anything in return because I've never been that type of person, but it was more so understanding that we all have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to help God's house function. And if a tenth of, of what I make is my contribution, then so be it. But of course, I always gave more. And I believe, like I said, get in the book of Malachi. I'm telling you, you're going to see why uh, the prophet was addressing uh, that egregious uh, uh, issue uh, that was going on during that time. But the people uh, were bringing their goods together. They were bringing their resources together. They were gathering, you know, all of, of what they had and bringing it before the prophets who were, and who were supposed to be distributing it, uh, equally. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, but going back to, uh, my experience, so I would tithe faithfully. There was no question about tithing, but there was a season in my life that I would go to church and I would go uh, in after I would cash my check and I would always hear the Lord speak to me, give to this person, give to that person. And I'm talking about, and I will not make this up, I'm talking about upwards to the point that I was giving my entire check. (laughs) I was giving my entire check and I got to the point where I said, look, I need to stop going to church with this money in my pocket (laughs) because... I leave out with nothing, uh, but I'm just joking. But nonetheless, I would hear God. I would give, and it is more uh, beneficial for me. It's more joyful and fulfilling to give than to receive. So I uh, continue to give, and 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 let me just say this because I talk too much sometimes and don't clear up myself, but um, the times that... That I would hear from God once I got to that indignation point. Like, hey, I ain't bringing my check, my money in here. I keep, I keep, God would not let me loose. Listen, I could not cash my check and bring it to church. But God would have me in the middle of the night. I want you to give to such and such. And I would get up and give to them and be a blessing. Uh, in their lives. And God used me in that way to be an extension of His hand and His love for His people. And non- nonetheless, I would give. I would give to the church. I would give to the local ministry. I would give to, you know, uh, um, nas- national ministries and missions and things like that. And so I believe in giving. But what I don't believe in is being manipulated. By uh, the leadership or men and women of uh, who they call themselves of God, you know, but really some of them, some are um, uh, ill informed in their theology, some of them are ill informed and they are teaching what they believe. And others are just simply downright manipulating the people of God, and they are not sent by God. They are not of God, and they need to be set down. I'm telling you, God is about to do a thing. He's about to do a thing because He's got to get us ready. He's got to get us ready uh, for His return. Amen. All right. So, so I'm not gonna get too much uh, more deep. Into that, but I believe that this televangelist has latched on to an orthodox teaching that will draw and attract a a certain uh, uh, market or or a certain profile that he's targeting, and not only that, um, dissuading people from giving to their local ministry or putting in their minds that their leadership has misled them uh, will cause people to draw. And attract more to his ministry. We are on the cusp of. We are on the border of. And I'm not talking about any prophetic uh, um, declaration that I'm making. I'm just saying what I see in the world. We are we are encroaching or, or or coming upon a recession or some type of financial decline in our nation. And and the giving the giving. Uh, to these um, external or, or t- televised or, you know, the broader ministries, is going to decline. Uh, you know, if you just use common sense and logical thinking, right, it is going to decline because if I'm pinching pennies and my local ministry needed, it, I'm going to give it to them. Versus continuing to sow into these other ministries, so so that may be an angle. You know, I'm not in the guy's head, but you know, I just I'm telling you, I'm I'm from Detroit City. You know, I see a con. You know, I can't. And, and really, to be honest, I miss them all the time. But this one is just so blatant and so obvious. I'm like, you know, I see you coming. I see multiple angles. I just don't know which one is the forerunner, the one. That is driving you uh, to come before God's people, but nonetheless, I turn that mess off because God showed me years ago uh, this is it's, it's like um, uh, gospel pornography, you know. Uh, and I hate to use this analogy, but I'm just being honest. This is how God gave it to me. You know, we ought not be watching no porn because all of that stuff is just an overstimulation. Of, of fantasy, right? None of that is real. These are actors. They are acting. They are uh, uh, exaggerating uh, fact in order to de- um, demonstratize or, or or demonstrate or, or dramatize a thing so that you can get it in your head, the illustration in your head. That's all acting is. It's a dramatization uh, of of what they want to convey in your imagination or in your head. Same thing with these televangelists. You know, a lot of them are not standing on uh gospel uh reality or truth. Uh they are depending on you all. They are depending on us to be biblically illiterate and not get in the word for ourselves to to just receive their uh, understanding. Now now listen we gotta teach everything in balance and in truth. Now I believe in the leadership of God. I really do. I believe that God has sent men and women, uh, that he has set in the, in the body of Christ to help us to learn, to teach us God's word. We have teachers and preachers, evangelists, bishops, you know, we have these, uh, that God has given us prophets in the body of Christ, he gave them to us uh, to help us to grow in our intimacy and knowledge of who he is. But nonetheless, he also gave us this brain, this muscle, this noggin in between our ears <laughs> to be able to get in the word and study it. And that's what we're endeavoring to do over here. But I felt it necessary to address uh, some of, of what uh, has been occurring because I know that he has a major platform and because of that many Christians are listening and they're being led astray. Trust and believe he is sinking uh, the hook in and so that eventually later down the line, maybe three, four months, uh, he is going to reel a lot of people in into his madness, further perpetuating this myth that uh, he has been uh, delivering to the people of God over years. He said 30 years, I believe, that if not more, uh, he has been manipulating the men and women of God to help to sustain his lifestyle, his generation after generation who has prospered from this uh, um, gospel that he has been delivering that has nothing to do with God. It has absolutely nothing to do with God. But nonetheless, all right, um, God wants me to talk about something that does have something to do with him. Amen? What he desires from us in this season, God is looking to us and looking for us to, uh, to make a decision. We got to make a decision. We have to atone our faith. And make a decision. And stop uh, being lukewarm in our position towards God. Amen. So let's talk about it. Listen, God wants us. make a conscious decision. He wants us to make a conscious decision to follow him, to follow him and to live a life that is pleasing to him and that does not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now you would say, well, God gave us free will. He gave us a choice and if God gave us free will and a choice, then I live my life. I want to live my life. And for some of you, I would ask the question, how is that working for you? How is it working for you? I know uh, that we all have, um, we were born in iniquity and we've all come short of the mark of the glory. Yet, as we live out, the gospel principles that God has given us, the precepts, the, the way of life that he has illustrated as he walked the first face of the earth. As we are uh, have been given that example, and as we walk it out, we will see that our lives are more fulfilled. But the enemy would block our minds into believing that a lifestyle of, st- of sin it's okay that it is okay for us to come to the conclusion on our own in our own time and our own pace and how we want to. If, listen, if we ain't learning nothing else as we go through uh, the book of Genesis, we're learning that God defines the consequences and he ain't going to take just any old thing. He ain't going to take any old thing from us. And we could think that it's okay for us to continue to live in sin. But God said, no, absolutely not. I have a standard and I expect those who call themselves mine to live according to that standard. I shared my testimony that early in my walk when I was sinned, Once I committed myself to God, I'm telling you, I love God with all my heart. And I also love my man. (laughs) And every time I would sin, I would come back pregnant. And, um, you know, and I got to a point, I said, Lord, every time I sin, (laughs) I go out and I think I'm creeping. And I come back pregnant, you know, and God will expose me in that way. And it was good for God to do that because it got me into a place of repentance. It got me into a place of true repentance. When I decided to uh, answer the call that was on my life, I was living with my husband. We were living in sin. We were not married. And I let him know. No more. No more. Now, I may not be in a position to just get up and leave like we got the kids and and, you know, all of these things. I can't financially afford my own place. But as for me and my house, <laughs> me in my temple, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. And so uh we separated from uh, activities that were not godly and the things that we were doing until He liked it enough to put a ring on it and sign them papers, amen? Uh, But I was walking in sin, and with sin comes a lot of guilt, comes a lot of guilt and anger and shame, and so I was walking around angry, I was ashamed of myself, I felt guilty, and I began to separate from God, not because God separated himself from me, but because I was trying to be hidden. Amen. All right. So I'm sharing part of my testimony to let you know, been there, done that. And I'm not perfect in any way. I receive God's word. And I oftentimes want to be the first partaker of the benefits of the word that he gives us. So like you all, I go back and listen to these messages myself and continue to. To adjust and refine, uh, you know, my walk, and it's not that I'm looking for perfection as man sees perfection, but I'm looking for perfection as God sees perfection, as He measures the intent of our heart. Amen. All right, so so we out here thinking that we can live in your kind of way, you know, living fornicating. I don't care. I do not care. If you are fornicating in a heterosexual relationship or a homosexual relationship or poly, whatever, I don't even know the terms, (laughs) relationship, it is fornication. God is not pleased with it. We must stop. We must stop. We are opening up gates. We are opening up doors and we are building uh, soul ties that uh, some of us going to regret. Going to regret sooner than later. The other thing, you know, is adultery. Adultery. We are we are out here slipping and, and, and sneaking and doing all of these things that, you know, we figure, hey, I ain't got caught all these years. Trust me, you're going to hear this word and you're going to wish you stopped. You're going to wish you stopped. Because the grace of God and the love of God, the thing that I honor most about who God is in my life is that he will expose sin. He will expose sin, and and the pattern that I found with God and my personal walk is that he'll expose it to me first, give me a chance to, you know, clean it on up, get it together. Then he'll expose it in a way that will cause me to have to change. (laughs) Yes, God is a great God, but he does this so that we can get to the point where we can be prepared to go to heaven, because you ain't going to heaven from sin. You are not going to heaven from sin. And so he disciplines those whom he loves. And I thank God for the discipline. Because had he not disciplined me early in my walk, um, I would I would be lost. I would be lost today. But nonetheless, you know, fornicating, adultery. You know, we are out here playing with drug addiction and alcoholism. And I I get on my family, especially my children. Don't don't think that you can drink. Don't think that you can experiment with stuff and you're going to be all right. You're not going to be okay. You're going to be so caught up in that mess that you're going to think that you are functioning. And everybody around you see that you are on a decline. And that you are, you know, slipping away from the destiny that God has for you. Look. I use my dad as a measurement. I use him as a standard. This man was the most intelligent, most charismatic, most everything that you can even uh uh share as an attribute, a good attribute. He was he was him and he was it, okay? In my eyes and of course he's my daddy, but many people outside of uh you know being his children witnessed it as well. But here you have this man and and Um, in his natural form, having all of these uh, attributes around him, intellect, strength, all of these things, and he still fell victim of uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, adultery. He fell victim to all of these things, and they um, had a direct result. Of uh, the uh failures or the demise or the the challenges uh of in his life in his life for years for years, and I believe that by dad did not live out the full uh uh benefit that God had for him in his lifetime because he fell uh he succumbed to this alcoholism and all of these things and and I try to show my family that if he couldn't overcome them demons, if he couldn't do it, what makes you think that as a byproduct of him, you're a subpart of him. I'm, I'm a sub part of him. So I don't say it offensively. And you can't, you couldn't, I mean, you're not going to be able to do it. So stay away from it. Get, get your relationship with God on par and on point and stay away from that mess. Going into, you know, adultery and and fornication and drug addiction and alcoholism and sexual addictions and all of these worldly things that we know. Now, now some stuff we just know. We ain't got to sit up and have no debate. We know God is not pleased with it. You know, when you smoke that weed, God ain't pleased with it. And even if you try to tell yourself on the outward that he is because it's a man's law that allows you to do it, you know God ain't pleased with it. Some things have been designed, some things have been designed by the enemy to alter our minds, to set us up for the kill. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So some of these things have been designed to set us up so that it makes his job easier. So if he have you uh, incapacitated, he have you in a state of, uh, you know, where your mind is not fully functioning, he could come in with the lies. You're going to start be- believing the lies. Now, I say about that weed, I say it accelerates. Well, that and, and many of the other mind altering drugs, it accelerates your crazy. <laughs> It accelerates your crazy. So whatever you are uh, struggling with, you know, under the surface, you know, some of us have paranoia. Some of us have anxiety. Some of us have depression. Some of us have anger. Some of us have, you know, just uh, uh, focus issues, thought issues, all of this stuff. That mess is coming on by y'all uh, dip, dibbling and dabbling in, in these drugs. Look, I got enough problems trying to keep my mind straight and my thoughts straight. I'm not going to have any uh, inhibitors come in and mess that up. So anyway, you, you take it for what you want to take it for. But I'm telling you this morning, God said stop. He said stop. Cut it out. Just stop. If you have uh, an addiction, do what you need to do to get over it, I will pray for you. I'm praying for deliverance. I'm praying that God, you know, we're going to have a deliverance service. Trust and believe. But in the meantime, and in between time, if you need prayer, if you need me to touch and agree with you, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm tired of the enemy uh, making us milly mouth when we know the truth. We know the truth. Watching people that we love fall under the spell of the enemy because they want to be rebellious and not walk in obedience to God's will. God is very clear. He's very clear. All right. About what he desires. I took a few notes and I and I wanted to just touch on the fact that God wants a um, decision um, based on our <coughs> or based on his um principles right not our emotions we we put emotions too much in there you know i was sharing the other day that the enemy is he doesn't have emotions you better believe that that's why we expect people to uh feel something for us to be empathetic and, and look if you want to coin or categorize or put in a bucket the attributes of the enemy and and to define his personality, I would say it in this way: He is the ultimate narcissist. He is the ultimate narcissist. The the others, uh, you know, they they come after him, the Jezebels and and all of them that that we're going to talk about as well. But the enemy is the I mean, he the source of it. He's the source of it. So he ain't coming with no emotions. He's just executing, executing. And that's why it's so easy for him not to care. But on the flip side, God does not want us led by our emotions when we are making a decision for him. And let me just try to break this down real quickly as easily as I can. We are three part beings. When God said, Uh, Let us make them in, let us make him in our image. He talked about, uh, I mean, he was talking about that three part. So we remember in our study, we've been learning about our identity and how the uh, man's identity was uh, uh, directly related initially with the identity of God because we were made in his image. And then iniquity came in and sin began to uh excel in our lives and, and overcome us. And then man began to make and create man in his own image. We find with self when he had his when he laid with his wife and, and had his son. He made, he said, he was made in his image. Amen. So we understand that our initial original identity was that of which reflected. God, God in us. We were three part. We are three part beings. It it wasn't a word about it. Uh, We just shifted up because of our iniquity and because of our newfound wisdom, knowledge, and understanding based on you know our uh, ingestion of the the fruit from the knowledge of of good and evil. Amen. So anyway, what I'm trying to break down is that in being uh, created in God's image, we had three parts. We had the physical, which is the body. We had the non-physical, which was the mind uh, or the soul. I'm going to say the soul, where your mind and your emotions reside. Okay, your thinking and, and all of these emotions that we have. And then we also have the spirit We have the Spirit of God. So those are the three parts. In addition to those three parts, we had God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in the beginning, we walked the earth with God the Father. Jesus, in the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus, in the form of flesh, walked the face of the earth with us during the time that he was here, establishing God's rule, principle, and redemption for man on earth. So he walked here in the flesh, and we walked alongside him, uh, uh, or or some of us who who were born during that time, walked alongside him in the earth, and Uh, We understand the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And during that time, we were left a comforter. And that comforter was the Holy Spirit or is the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. So let me go back to that three part. We have the body, the physical body. We have the soul, which encompasses or, or, or encapsulates the mind and the soul. And then we have the spirit. It's important that we know and understand that when God breathed life into Adam, he breathed his spirit into Adam. That is separate from the Holy Spirit which was in operation and which was um, um, evident throughout the Old Testament. So we see Christ throughout the Old Testament reflected in every biblical passage that we read. We understand that God never, uh, 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 his presence was never uh, absolved throughout the Bible. He was always there, right? And then we see in different passages where the Holy Spirit was there, uh, uh, and it was evident that it was it was the Spirit of God as He communed with different uh, characters in the Bible throughout the Bible, and we can do a, a, a deeper study in that. But what I wanted. To help you understand, and if you if you close your eyes and imagine this with me, I want you to see a three-part being, a three-part being made in God's image. And so, if you did, in my mind, I got these little human figures. They not stick figures. I was gonna say stick figures, but but my mind is more <laughs> it's, it's more up to date than a stick man. But you have these three images. And if you label them as man, physical being, man, soulish being, man, spiritual being. And then if you have an image in your head and, and, and a higher hierarchical image of God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit. These are two separate entities. So I have one uh, uh, image on the left: God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And I have another image on the right: Man, physical, and 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 God, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is stacked. Man, physical, um, uh. Soul and spirit is horizontal, so it goes from left to right. So it, until until we hit Pentecost, it was it was still those three, and I want to say separate in the sense that they were not combined as one. I wasn't walking around here as a God. I was not walking around here as a son of God in the sense that I was Jesus. I wasn't walking around here as uh, a Holy Spirit. I was walking around here, and I'm talking about before the day of Pentecost, as a three-part being. And with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter being left, then that Comforter dwelled on the inside of us. So if we and and like I said, we can go into it more because I really want us to get a clear understanding and I want to be able to articulate it out of my mind with biblical uh backing, right? So that we understand uh what, what the revelation that God is giving us. But nonetheless, um we have or 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 have no we have the ability to make a decision that is not rooted in our emotions. Because now, as we walk the face of the earth, we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that should be driving our actions or our behavior. So going back to that three-part being understanding That the physical manifestation of our actions is a direct result of what is happening within our soulish realm and within our spirit realm. And so before the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit dwelled on the inside, it was the spirit of God on the outside that helped to guard and guide the actions and behaviors of the humans that walk the face of the earth during that time. Amen? So now that we have the Spirit of God, so the way that it works is our spirit influences our soul. Our soul influences our physical. So even as we walk the face of the earth where the Holy Spirit was not dwelling on the inside of us, but the Spirit of God was there, we needed the influence of um, of God to live right, to do right. And remember how they, you know, realized, look, we're trying to keep this <laughs> Mosaic law. We're, we're trying to live by the law, but look, we just keep falling short. We just keep falling short. And so it, the reason that is so important, and, and i got to do a study on this to make sure that we guard our gates, is because garbage in produces garbage out. And what we allow in our eye gates and our ear gates through our mouths, and, you know, I'm not going to go too graphic and get too much into it, but in the different gates that, that allow things to come in to us, It will influence our spirit and spirit is influenced by spirit. So let me be clear. What you feed is what you uh, uh, grow or what you what you develop, what lives, what you starve is what dies. OK, so if you are feeding the enemy, that demonic spirit, if you are feeding and, and allowing it to flourish and grow uh, and influence you, then that is going to influence your spirit man. And that, that spirit man is going to influence your emotions and your thoughts. Now, I believe that we cannot control our thoughts. That's the reason I watch what I watch. <laughs> I watch what I listen to. And sometimes we'll be thinking and be like, where did that come from? you done let it in (laughs) you done let it in Uh, I was at my sister's house the other day and and they had invited us uh, she and my brother invited us for um, the 4th of July celebration and boy people kept opening their um, uh, patio door and these big old flies just kept getting in the house they just kept getting in because we opened the door we let them in, and the same thing we do the same thing, you know, with with our our Christian walk. We open the door and we let these little gnats and flies and bugs and bees and wasps and all of this mess uh, come into our lives, and then we we steady trying to swat them away. What <laughs> what are the babies? I can't remember. Was it my baby? Was it my baby? Out? No. Oh no! It was it was Elena. She was like, swoosh, swoosh. She was getting tired of them. But but if you don't open a door, if you don't let them in the gate, they won't be there. But nonetheless, in our three-part being, we are are directly influenced by those things that are spiritual. We are directly influenced by those things that are spiritual. And if we think about it, those demons with personalities, as they were uh, invading... Uh, the, the, the earth suit of humans, right? They had that entry by the spirit realm. They had that entry by the spirit realm. So as long as we're influenced by God's spirit, then our soul reacts and responds, and then our output of our behavior will be godly, okay? So we have our spirit, we have our soul, and we have our physical, and in the spirit realm, we are influenced by whatever we yield attention to. So if we're giving spiritual atten- attention to ungodly things, then hey, that's what's going to influence our spirit. If we give spiritual attention to godly things, then that's what's going to influence our, sp- our uh, spirit. And so our soul reacts and responds. It's almost like a chain reaction. Our soul reacts and responds to our spirit. So in the example that I gave you in the soul is where your mind resides and your emotions. And so your mind, your thinking, your thoughts, your logic, all of that is being influenced by what is in your spirit. (laughs) That commercial say, what's in your wallet? (laughs) What is in your spirit? I cracked myself up. You know, and also your emotions. Sometimes we be an emotional wreck, can't even understand why. Because the spirit is influencing uh, our emotions because we are entertaining the wrong spirit. Amen. And so that produces the actions, that produces the actions that we do, right? You got stinking thinking, you're going to have stinking reactions. You got funky emotions, then you're going to be in the funk. All right? So that, that's just how that goes. And on the flip side or the reverse side of that, we also have influences into our spirit from our physical. So here, uh, we, our spiritual realm, you know, there's some things, you know, principalities and and. And spirits and things like that that influence our spirit. And then in the physical is what it, What are you ingesting in your eye gate? What are you ingesting in your ear gate? If you entertain ungodly things, then those ungodly things are going to seep through and they're going to influence your spirit, which influences your soul, which influences your actions. Okay. It's just a, a, a different bilateral direction in which these uh, uh, things function and operate in us. That's why it's important that as Christians, we become disciplined, disciplined in what we do, disciplined in what we ingest, disciplined in how we talk, how we walk, all of these things. Okay. All right. So back to the Holy Spirit. See, when when in the Old Testament, God's spirit was there. We saw it. It it came upon Saul. (laughs) You know, it came upon David. We have many examples throughout the Bible where his spirit came upon them. And it influenced their actions. But on the day of Pentecost, my God, what a mighty God. We received a comforter. We received the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of us. And while the Spirit came upon them, and sometimes the Spirit walked outside of them uh, prior to Pentecost, but it was still giving them knowledge and wisdom and direction and guidance, right? The same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's still, its job didn't change. His personality didn't change. His function didn't change. The only thing that changed is that it was external and now it is internal. It is internal. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us and instructs us and teaches us what we ought to do. (laughs) And the thing about the Holy Spirit, it's not going to overrule your voice. It's not going to overrule your thoughts. It's not going to yell at you, berate you, or condemn you. It comes to convict you. And that's why it's so important that we hear the voice of God, that we listen and we respond and we are respectful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we grieve and when we walk in sin, when we walk in sin and we just ignore his voice. And one thing about the Holy Spirit is if you don't listen to his voice, eventually, eventually uh, the voice of God will uh, dissipate and, and you'll no longer hear him. So that's why we got to be careful, you know, watch what we allow in these gates. Watch what we allow to influence us. And 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 like I said, I know that I did just a, a brief high level uh, uh, analogy, but I want to get deep into that thing because we got to understand what we're working with, you know, what we're working with. But God is looking for a yay and a man that is not influenced by our emotions, but a decision that is concrete and that is uh, unmovable. He wants us to make a decision that we will no longer sin, that we will walk in authority, that we will walk in the way that he has predestined for our lives. And Psalms... uh, 103 verses 1 through 2. Uh, David, he said, let me, well, let me do this. Let me go read it. Let me read it real quick. Read it real quick. What I say? Psalms 103. It's a lot of Psalms. I can't wait till we get there. Boy, oh boy. I said one and two. He said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Amen. So when David, I'm sorry, when, yeah, when David was speaking, he was, he was exhorting his soul to bless the Lord. It was his spirit commanding his soul to bless the Lord. His spirit was reaching out to the Lord, but his soul had to make the decision. His soul had to make the decision. And he goes on in 3 through 5, and I'm going to read this as well. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen? So he's exalting his soul to bless the Lord. And remember, as I shared with you all, we had God's spirit. He had breathed it into man. So it was his spirit connecting with God. He didn't have the Holy Spirit, but he had God's spirit inside of him. And so he, he, his spirit is telling his soul, look, we got to bless the Lord. All my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It was evident and apparent that he had godly influence to cause his soul to want to bless the Lord, to cause his spirit to command and instruct his soul to bless the Lord. Amen? Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and uh, 17. Let's go to, to that. Let me see. 1 Corinthians Six, 17 and and I'm in the uh, King James version uh, this week uh, because <laughs> I um, I've been studying. I've been doing some studying, and, and y'all know I go back and forth, uh, you know, between the King James and the different versions. Uh, but I have my favorite. But anyway, the Word of God says, "But he that is joined unto." The Lord is one spirit, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So the spirit knows God directly. The spirit, the spirit knows God directly and it receives revelation. So this is the spirit that was breathed into man. Nothing changed about that. It is the Holy Spirit that is a part of the Trinity and the God uh, um, uh, head. And so, again, I won't keep circling around that, but it's important and imperative that we understand that God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit walked with us from the beginning of time and still is with us. And it's still with us. And man in his three-part being has always been man in three-part being. And so in that, it was on the day of Pentecost that we received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Let's make that uh, emphasis around the declaration of who he was. He is the Holy Spirit. We had God's spirit in us, but when we, uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the the Holy Spirit dwelled on the inside. But anyway, the soul deals with theories, theology, and doctrine. So this is where our logic, our thoughts, our our understanding uh, derives, and God wants us to make a decision out of our soul or out of our mind and not our emotions. Because emotions will tell you, if it feel good, I'm going to bless the Lord. If it feel good, I'm going to follow God. And see, that's very dangerous because when we do things that impact or tickle our emotions, we'll be subject to doing stuff that feel good for the enemy. I'm telling you, y'all better listen. Y'all better listen. It is imperative that we know and understand that in order to enter into God's provision, the soul has to make a decision. God is a God of protection and provision. He will make a way out of no way. Trust and believe. I have walked it out. I have walked it out. And I know it. And I believe it. Nothing can change my mind. About the God that I know we serve. <laughs> the God that I know that we serve. But a lot of religious people, a lot of us in the church, we believe that it has to be some kind of emotion. It has to be some kind of emotion following our experience or our feelings to make us do something. But these things that God desires of us, it, it don't take emotion. It just takes a decision. It takes a, 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 a decision from your soul to repent. Repentance should be done without emotion. Now, I'm not saying that a the byproduct of, of, of the repentance because you may be sorrowful and it may drive you to some sort of emotion. But I'm talking about the act of repenting, turning from your ways, That are not God's way. Should be done. With a sober mind. With a a very deliberate. And methodical intent. To live out. What God desires for you to live out. Not based on emotions. Because emotions will have us stuck. Repentance should be. An emotionless act. (laughs) In the sense of our decision. We ain't got to feel good to repent. Same thing with forgiveness. Same thing with forgiveness. Having an unforgiving heart. Because our emotions say, well, hey, I ain't feeling you right now. So I ain't going to forgive. Praise. Praise as well. We don't praise because we feel like it. We don't worship because we feel like it. That's that's tapping too much into Emotions and the same with the uh, speaking in tongues. God has given us a heavenly language. And the thing about it, I think our emotions cause us to have fear fear of looking stupid, fear of not doing stuff the way people do it. Let me tell you something. Ooh, baby. I used to hear them say in the church when I would go to the church and I was younger, they say, I got delivered from people. And I, I didn't realize it. Until I got delivered, and boy or oh boy, when I tell you, best thing ever happened to me. All right, so repentance. Let's talk a little bit about that repentance. It uh, to repent it literally means to change your mind, to change your mind, and we know that the act of repentance means to turn from your actions and from your behavior. In the New Testament, we had a lot of examples uh, that were given us uh, in Mark uh, 1, uh, chapters 2 through 4. And I'm I'm not going to read them because I just don't have a lot of time right now. I'm trying to wrap up because I got to get to uh, my day. I'm working, so I got to get to my day. But anyway, uh, Mark 1, uh, chapters 2 through 4 says, before Jesus uh, could come as, as the Messiah, John the Baptist had to first come and preach repentance. He had to pe- preach repentance in order for Jesus to come as the Messiah. So that shows you the uh, the importance of repentance before you can get saved. Mark uh, 1 and 15, the first commandment that Jesus gave us was repent. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Luke 24 and 47, after his resurrection, Christ ordained that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations. Repentance and remission of sin. And we walking around here feeling like we got to fight the good fight of faith because they are uh, reversing abortion or, or, or because they're uh, allowing for abortion. Where, where is the gospel at? Where's the gospel? <laughs> no, that ain't my fight. It, You know, this is man's law, not God's law. What I'm fighting for is when you tell me I can't tell folk that they can repent. and and have remission from sin, when you tell me that I can't tell them the good news that there is a a Messiah, that he has come and that we reap the benefit of salvation and we shall go to heaven and not to hell. And here's how you get there. All right. So that's what I'm a fight for. All right. Acts three, uh, I'm sorry, two 38, uh, at Pentecost, uh, Peter commanded, repent be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, repent. Acts 20 and 21 at Ephesus, uh, Paul. So we got two, well, three witnesses, Jesus, Peter, and now Paul. He preached repentance towards God and faith um, towards Christ. And in Acts uh, 17 and 30 at Athens, Paul preached that God uh, now commanded all men everywhere to repent. In Hebrews 6 and 1, uh, the first foundation doctrine is repentance from dead works. And in Revelations chapters 2 and 3, uh, the first commandment of Christ of uh, five out of seven uh, churches was to uh, repent. okay. All right. And then forgiveness, forgiveness. Many of us harbor unforgiveness in our heart. And let me be clear. I am not one who believe that when you separate yourself from people, that means you don't forgive them. No, baby, I forgive you. I forgive you, but you ain't about to get access. I shared this before many times on my podcast and my love for you is unconditional, but access to me, it's got a few conditions, a few boundaries. But it doesn't mean that I have not forgiven you. Uh, it just means that, hey, you got back up. All right. So so the greatest barrier that we have uh, to God's blessing in our lives is unforgiveness. So we have to make sure that we evaluate our hearts uh, and we are not functioning, operating in unforgiveness. I remember one time I, I felt myself getting uh, really, you know, you have that, that nonchalant you know, I don't care. Hey, it is what it is type attitude. And I believe I was going through something in in this season of my life. And I began to realize my heart was starting to become callous. And I was starting to become numb to emotions and feelings that I have for other people. And I prayed to God, I said, Lord, if I got to feel every sting, every zip every, you know, pain from these emotions. I don't care, but don't take my ability to feel, to feel, um, away from me. Now I'm not talking about having an unhealthy, you know, emotional, mental breakdown or anything like that, but I'm talking about just having the ability to be empathetic, um, sympathetic, compassionate towards others. And trust me, one walks hand in hand with the other. You have to have the ability to feel in order to experience those emotions. And I had gotten to a point of unforgiveness so much so that I I just could not feel. And I had to pray that thing. I I mean, I had to seek deliverance and I received it. Uh, When we have an alt against anyone, uh, you know, we, we... have to make sure that we don't uh, nurse it. We don't grow it. We don't allow that thing to overcome us. Now, I, I believe in confronting situations that are confrontable. But some folks, <laughs> you know, you just got to give them to God. Lord, I give it on up to you. And if you open up an, an opportunity for me to address it, uh, then I will address it. But some folk just so deep into their demonic activity that you can't you can't deal with them. You can't deal with them. And 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 listen, we gotta have discernment to know and understand uh how far to go and how far to take things. Remember this, God hates sin. He hates evil. There is nothing about sin nor evil that God loves. Amen. There's nothing about sin or evil that God likes. And so while he loves the sinner, he hates the sin. And I've never seen God repent or forgive uh uh evil. Amen. He he cut it off. He cut it off. Uh so we 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 need to go deeper in this because I want to be able to teach and balance and 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 to help us. Uh, but overall, we ought not. Uh, live in unforgiveness, because even in the Lord's prayer, he admonishes us to pray uh, that God will forgive us as we forgive others, as we forgive others. Praise. Praise is another thing that God wants us to get out of doing through our emotions. You know, oh, I don't feel like praising them today. I don't feel like, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever. It's not an emotional feeling. That qualifies whether or not we praise God. We must praise him uh, because of who he is. David is a great example. Boy, I tell you, he was a praiser and a worshiper. And in uh, Psalms 34, 1 and 2, he decided to praise and bless God at all times with his mouth. And in 63, 3 through 4, uh, he decides to praise God and bless him with the lifting of his hands. Amen. All right. So so we got to praise God. Praise him. Praise him. Set the atmosphere for praise and worship throughout the day. I'm telling you, your life is going to change. Your life is going to change. Speak it in tongues. Speak it in tongues. We talked about that, um, you know, before. And I, I think we need to go deeper. Into this as well, but God wants a uh, decision from you that cannot be done through your emotions. I'm telling you, some folks have never spoken terms because of fear of how they may look or how things may seem. They don't release themselves to the vulnerability and the trust and faith in the Holy Spirit to carry them through the experience of learning a heavenly tongue. Amen. They worried about how it's going to sound or how folk, I don't I don't speak in tongues like this one. Or I don't, you know, I don't hear from God like this one say they hear. Some folk be lying. Now, not, let's just be honest, you know, and, and some folk, you know, their experience with God is their experience. I, I I say it like this. I grew up in a household where my parents had 12 children. 12 biological children together uh, that, that survived, that lived, and All of us had our own unique relationship with our parents. And one did not usurp the other. One relationship, you know, because you got this relationship with with my mom or dad, and I got this one, it doesn't mean that we don't have a relationship. (laughs) You you understand where I'm going? You know, everybody has their own relationship. So uh, uh, throughout the Bible and and 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 14-4, I mean, 14 and 15, uh, Paul says, I will, I will. He he made a decision to speak. And so rather to speak or to sing in tongues is a decision. It's a decision. And Jude uh, 20 and 21, uh, in the midst of ungodliness, the Bible shares that we must bind up our faith and keep ourselves in love and in, in, in the love of God, by praying in the spirit or unknown tongues, Jude helps us to understand about those unknown tongues. In Acts 2 and 4 at Pentecost, the disciples began to speak by a decision. Then the Holy Spirit gave them utterance or words. Amen. All right. So, so bottom line, what I want you to take away uh, from this assignment that God has given me to you this morning is God is looking for a decision. He is looking for a yes, a yes, Lord, yes, Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I give my yes to the Lord. Amen. He's looking for a yes, and if you are struggling, I want to just take a moment to pray with you and to trust God with you that our yes will be yes. <laughs> it will be yay and amen. And we won't struggle with making a decision through our emotions because we know uh, our emotions can be garbage at times, you know, and and, and it can... Uh, stagnate us from making the decision that God wants us to make. We got to make a decision because we know that it is right. It may not always feel right, but we know that it is right based on the example of living that Jesus Christ gave us. Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for, Uh, this message and your word. I thank you, Lord God, for allowing it to come to life in our lives, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for helping us to give you a yes. to to just surrender all, and to allow you to have full reign over every area and aspect of our lives. Father God, we say yes to your will, yes to your way, yes each and every day. My God, from this day forward, Lord God, we are walking in our yes. For those of us who struggle in our sin, we ask for deliverance, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that you will reign reign on us, endow us with your Holy Spirit, and help us to keep growing and learning in you. Father God, we thank and praise you this morning for your spirit. We thank and praise you for your love, for your uh, grace, for your miracle signs and wonders that will follow us. Father God, we thank you for being with us throughout the day in Jesus name. Now, Lord Jesus, we seal this prayer through our faith and we ask that you will dispatch your angels to do that which you have commissioned them to do in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus name, we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen.